If you happen to be in need of a new t-shirt, hoodie, sticker, journal, or magnet, and want to help support this podcast, why not kill two birds with one stone and visit our official merch store? Check out the ever-growing selection of designs inspired by Japanese history at ahistoryofjapan.threadless.com. Thank you for your support. Hello, and welcome to A History of Japan. Season 2, Episode 10, Queen Himiko of Yamatai. The later part of the Yayoi period, between 0 and 250 CE, was a busy time for Japan. Archaeological evidence indicates that violence was rampant, and small-scale warfare all too frequent. It is during this period that we get some of the recorded impressions of Japan from their neighboring nations. These give a somewhat clearer picture of the true, authentic Yayoi period than the fanciful accounts sponsored by the Yamato court, which we will cover in later seasons. These written accounts come from China, so I'll try to correct some of their inherent biases as best I can using archaeological evidence and modern scholarship. Remember, the ancient Chinese viewed the Japanese as backward barbarians in need of their enlightened rule, a fact which could not be made clearer when you learn the Chinese word chosen to designate the islands of Japan. The word is wa. The character for wa which can also be pronounced wo, means dwarf. No, you're not missing something in translation. Han Dynasty China chose to designate Japan as the land of short people, and it was not some cultural flattery which is lost on modern audiences. Later Japanese authorities would select a more pleasing character that could also be pronounced as wa, a kanji which means peace or harmony. The earliest mention of Japan by a written source, as far as we know, comes from a work called the Shanghai Jing, or the Classic of Mountains and Seas. Likely written by several authors beginning in the Warring States period until the Han Dynasty, this book is a descriptive collection of places and creatures which mixes actual geology and zoology with mythical places and creatures. The book claims that some kingdoms in Japan maintained a tributary relationship with the northernmost Chinese state of Yan, though this is far from certain. Next is the Book of Han, compiled in the late 1st century, which testifies that the people of Japan are divided into over 100 tribes and sent delegations to the Chinese court from time to time to pay tribute and receive gifts in turn. The Book of Han also mentions that one of the kingdoms, called Nakoku, sent tribute via an emissary who called himself Taifu, meaning great man, in 57 CE and received from the emperor a golden seal. You might be tempted to discount that previous story as legend, but in 1784, a farmer who was repairing an irrigation ditch 
actually found the gold seal buried and surrounded by large stones. An important reminder that sometimes even the most fantastical-sounding historical events are actually true. What was the relationship of Nakoku and the Han Dynasty? It is possible that the king of Nakoku intended to become the vassal of the Han in order to use their military against his enemies, or just to gain even greater access to better quality gifts which he could use to expand his power. Ultimately, we can only speculate, because the only thing left of Nakoku is that golden seal and the account in the Book of Han. As we covered previously, we have no evidence that the Yayoi people adopted any kind of strict class hierarchy until around the 1st century CE. It is believed that those early rulers gained access to power by acting on behalf of their community's best interests, likely in the areas of trade, alliances, and conflicts, and over time, these leadership positions became hereditary. As the population increased, it was a matter of time before one of these rulers would find a way to unite the various kingdoms under their own authority. According to the Records of Wei, written circa 297 CE as part of the larger Records of the Three Kingdoms, there was a charismatic ruler who successfully united 30 of the kingdoms of Wa under their own rule. This ruler was known as Queen Himiko, and her domain was called Yamatai. Both Queen Himiko and Yamatai are controversial subjects among archaeologists and historians, so I'll try to be clear about the different claims of various camps. My primary source for this is J. Edward Kidder's book, Himiko and Japan's Elusive Chiefdom of Yamatai, but I have read some of the opposing views as well. Let's start with something simple like the location of Yamatai. Well, bad news. While we can reasonably claim that it existed on Japan, no one is certain where the domain of Yamatai was actually located. Relevant historians and archaeologists usually fall into one of two camps, either southern Kyushu or the Kansai region in central Honshu. Helpfully, the records of Wei give precise directions with distances and bearings. Unfortunately, those precise directions lead to the middle of the ocean. Thanks, Records of Way. As J. Edward Kidder pointed out, following the directions roughly, that is, not exactly according to the distances given, seems to land the traveler in Kansai, near the modern-day prefecture of Nara. However, the southern Kyushu camp contends that the directions can also be interpreted in a way that would lead to southern Kyushu, Kyushu was certainly a place flourishing with international activity at the time, thanks to its proximity to Korea, so it is certainly possible that Himiko made her home there. I honestly hope that Yamatai will be located in my lifetime, but there are certainly no guarantees. In the meantime, let's move on to the great lady herself. According to the records of Wei, Queen Himiko was a kind of sorceress, who occupied herself with magic and bewitched the people. 
They claimed that she was an older woman who had no children and that a younger brother assisted her with matters of state. The records also claim that once she became the queen, she became reclusive and very few people were allowed into her presence. Which is very interesting, because that separation is a trend we are definitely going to see among Japanese leadership in the future. From this description, we can generally extrapolate a few things. First, that Himiko's political power was directly linked to her abilities as a shaman. Shamanism was common all over Japan by the late Yayoi period, as we discussed in the previous episode, and it is likely that Himiko was not the first to find a way to leverage her religious practices into a higher-powered political position. Remember, however, that just as the rewards were very great for a shaman who kept the spirit satisfied, the penalties could likewise be very steep for those who failed. According to the records of Wei, when a new governor was installed at the Chinese commandery in northern Korea, Queen Himiko requested his aid in a conflict she was having against another Wa kingdom named Kunu. The governor sent a bureaucrat with a message recommending reconciliation, and then Queen Himiko died. Or did she? Archaeologist J. Edward Kidder proposed an interesting interpretation of this particular passage of the Records of Way. Rather than understanding it to mean the messengers came in, but the queen was already dead, he claims that it can be read as the messengers came in and because of that, the queen died. If this is the case, the Chinese agents weren't just delivering an innocent message, but were instead engaging in violent regime change. What happened next was predictable. Factions formed within the realm of Yamatai, assassinations and skullduggery abounded, and blood ran in the streets and countryside from the fighting. There was unrelenting chaos as one of Himiko's male relatives was made king. It is possible that the Chinese installed Grand Master Natome, the very person Queen Himiko had sent to the commandery to ask for their help, and who, if this was indeed a coup, absolutely had a hand in it. The records of Wei claim that over a thousand people were killed in the ensuing sectarian violence. After the king stepped down, a young girl named Iyo was made queen. All we know of her is that she was a close relative of Himiko, that she was only 13 when she was elevated to the throne of Yamatai, and that she continued exchanging tribute with the Wei dynasty. You've probably wondered at least once by now whether there is a Japanese source which records Himiko's reign. This is where we come across an odd, but not unheard of, situation. The Japanese wouldn't begin recording history until the 600s or so, and those retroactive histories, the Kojiki and the Nihon Shoki, are both highly political works for their time, and are far more concerned with following a partisan narrative than recording accurate history. We will dig more into both of those works when we get to the point where they are written, because I think it is difficult to understand them without the context of their contemporary era. For now, we'll stick with the relevant sections. Both the Kojiki and Nihon Shoki tell of a woman named Empress Jingu, who ruled Japan as a regent when her husband died in 200 CE. 
Unfortunately, for those who would try to link these two women, the shaman queen Himiko and the conquering badass Empress Jingu could not be more different. Empress Jingu supposedly led an invasion of Korea for three years, which successfully carved out a Japanese colony named Mimana and subdued the Korean nations of Baekje and Silla. When she returned to Japan, she was hailed as a hero and universally acclaimed as the rightful empress and reigned until her death in 269 CE. Compared to Himiko, who was reliant on her supposed supernatural connections for her power and had to ask the Chinese to intervene against a rival state on Japanese soil, Empress Jingu was quite the girl boss. Unfortunately, she would also later become a symbol of Japanese imperial conquest during World War II, but that's a darker era which we shall cover much later. Suffice to say, I don't find arguments that Queen Himiko and Empress Jingu are the same person even remotely convincing. The conclusion that I drifted toward in my own research is that Queen Himiko was likely the historic ruler and that Empress Jingu probably never existed. When we dig more deeply into the Kojiki and Nihon Shoki in the future, you can decide for yourself. Queen Himiko, if she was real died around 248 CE, and her passing marks the end of the Yayoi period. Next season, we will cover the Yamato period, which is actually a consolidation of two periods, the Kofun and the Asuka. While future rulers of Japan might not acknowledge Himiko's existence for some time, many of them would follow a similar model of governance in combining religious ritual with statecraft, separating themselves from the common folk, and seeking alliances with powerful factions to eradicate their enemies. We've reached the close of the Yayoi period, which is presently demarcated as ending with Himiko's death. There will be two more bonus episodes, the first of which includes selections from the sources of various Chinese philosophies, and the second in which I will read the Gishi Wajinden, the full account of the records of Wei which deal with the people of Wa. Thank you for listening. Please consider supporting this podcast at patreon.com slash a history of Japan. 